You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Happy Tuesday, everyone. I'm Jackie Furchilli for Wildest 24-7, and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. We're back after a one-week break. Thanks for understanding that I was a little under the weather last week. And this week, we're going to recap the Virginia spring green that just happened over the weekend. And just like last time we talked about some spring football, we bring in Daily Progress's Greg Medea. Greg, thank you so much for joining us again today. Yeah, happy to be with you, Jackie. Spring football in the books. Yeah, first spring fo- football for both of us on the UVA beat and the first spring football for Tony Elliott and his staff. Now, when you look through those 15 practices the last couple of weeks and what we saw in the spring game, what's your quick evaluation of how things went? Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, when you look at the spring game and you look at the 15 practices as a whole, it's that, that there is a commitment to run the football. You heard it kind of leading into spring ball from Tony Elliott and Des Kitchings that there was going to be an effort to be balanced on offense. And it, it, you've seen it, regardless of, of what the situation was at running back, uh, even when they only had two running backs uh, healthy to practice uh, this this spring with, with Mike Hollins uh, it, it leading the way, uh, so to speak, and then Ahmad Faustin as well. Uh, so I, it was, you saw the commitment to run the football and, uh, I think that was really, really impressive, uh, for, for UVA and, and you kind of saw the, the foundation being laid on offense and they, uh, showed some of that, uh, in the spring and especially, uh, with, with the long touchdown run by, by Jones there, Paris Jones, the 75 yarder, uh, to start the second half. And then on defense, I think, uh, you, you you're understanding that they're going to throw a lot of different looks. Uh, at opponents, sometimes it's going to be three, four. Sometimes it's going to be maybe four, two, five. Uh, and and however that defense lines up, uh, the the amount of different looks it can give the opposing offensive line is kind of what stands out to me. Anytime, uh, I think I heard a couple of coaches say it this spring, and, and even some players that anytime a defensive lineman moves a couple of inches or a foot, even uh, it changes how the offensive line blocks. Uh, that defensive line. And I think those various looks, even though uh, maybe they're doing some of the same things out of the different looks, uh, is going to create some uh, confusion for opposing offenses. So that's kind of what stands out to me, a little bit about the offense, what's new, and a little bit about the defense, what's new. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think one thing I wrote for my takeaway story after Saturday's game was, you know, before, if the running game wasn't working, they would just automatically go to the passing game. It was automatic. It wasn't even the thought they wouldn't try to pound the rock a little bit to tire the defense or just keep the defense honest. They just, you know, went back to the passing game. Granted, Brendan Armstrong has a great arm that had great weapons on the wide receivers. But Tony Elliott and Coach Kitching said, no matter what, we're going to just keep pounding the rock. And that's what they did on Saturday. And I think that was probably the biggest signal for me that they were really committed to running the football. Um I think that was the biggest thing. And I think the other thing is I like the fact that I know Brendan Armstrong was kind of his hands were tied because of the way they did their sacks and to the touch football for him. They weren't going to let him get tackled, but he can't be your ball, leading ball carrier. That that shouldn't be I a stat. Heard, yeah. I think, I think you even heard Des Kitching say that 
in this in this in this spring camp is that you know it, it probably is not ideal to have the the quarterback leading the team in rushing and leading the team in carries that you need a running back to to take some of the workload off Armstrong, especially if he's going to be asked to to win them games throwing the football, which you'd expect. Uh, for him in his final year as, as UBA's quarterback to do so. Uh, and he's as, as, as he's proven, uh, he can uh, win the game with his arm too. Uh, so you want to take alleviate some of that stress and some of that workload off of him by, by giving a running game uh, to him that, that complements what he and, and all his receivers can do in a passing game. Uh, so I think that is, is really, really important. And uh, to, to see it on display uh, Saturday was probably encouraging uh, for for some UVA fans who who haven't seen that running game and, and commitment to the running game uh, in a few years, and uh, especially while doing it with with kind of a patchwork offensive line this spring uh, and and limited depth, uh, I think once you get some more uh, big guys in there, that uh, you're going to see it even further. Uh, and, and it's not going to take away uh, what Armstrong can do in the passing game. I think it's only going to open up some things for him and his receivers that, you know, defenses can't just sit back and say, you know, Brandon Armstrong's probably going to throw the ball 50 times. So they're going to play the pass first. They can't do that if there's a stronger commitment to the running game. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's what I see uh, when I think about Virginia adding a stronger running game uh, to its offense. No, I completely agree with you. I think the one thing the last year, although the offense had some gaudy numbers, it was fantastic, you know, record-breaking offense. But then, you know, Brendan Armstrong said, what was our record? <laughs> we're six and six. So that's the only thing he cares about is if they have a winning record and if they're going bowling, if they have a shot at the ACC title. Those are the numbers that he cares about. And at the end of the day, you know, there are times when you watch them play last year, it wasn't so the fact that you knew they were going to pass. Some of their drives lasted a minute long, two minutes long, and then the defense comes in, and they're just gassed at the end of the day. They're going to be able to play complementary football if they're able to run the ball, if they're able to have an O-line that's able to give Brennan Armstrong protection and get those gaps so that they're able to run the ball consistently and extend these drives. Because at the end of the day, if you're trying, if you're at the close game, you want to have that ball in your hands as long as possible and give the other team less time to get that chance to go and win the game. You know, you don't have to have your heart in, in your throat if you're a UVA fan against Louisville, you know, yeah. so if you held on to the ball a little longer. So I think offensively that was what I saw. I like the fact that Brendan Armstrong wasn't going for the air raid or the big assault. He was going for those short passes. He's going up the middle. He's going underneath instead of just throwing it up top. Those are the things that I liked offensively. And I, I agree with you when it comes to defensively. I always felt that this Virginia defense had a great linebacker room. Um, I thought it was very deep, although they didn't have much experience coming back. Nick, Jans Nick Jackson's also the veteran of his defense in its entirety, and obviously having him back is great. But I felt like there was a lot of young guys stepping up. Um, I know Jackson is one of those guys that's been talking about that could add depth. You know, Mike Green is another name that uh, staff has talked about. But I also like the fact that this staff saw a guy like Deshaun Perry, who's very talented, but didn't really feature in the defense because he didn't really he, – he struggled a bit about playing in space, but they put him back outside because he was an edge rusher when he came from South Florida. So I like the fact that they moved him to a place where he, that was his strength, and he had a sack, I guess how you can call it, when he was two-touched during the game. So I did like that, that they do have depth. You know, Chico Bennett is another guy that I was really impressed with the game. So 
uh, on that side, I really do like that. And I mentioned also in my takeaways that I felt that this defense had a bit of a swagger. Um, and if you look, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, we have a couple of practice clips that are going on as I'm talking. So if I'm looking down, it's just because I'm pressing play on the video. And you're seeing, you know, Coach Rudd here and, and, and a Steve Bracey, a, a linebacker, a freshman linebacker. And, you know, I felt like the team felt a little more confident. You know, they, they were saying they played with a chip on their shoulder throughout the whole spring. And I felt when you saw them play in the spring game, and again, you have to take everything with a grain of salt because the O-line was hampered and some of the guys were playing both uh, both teams. But I don't know about you, but did you feel like these guys weren't thinking about where they needed to be? I felt like last year sometimes they had a one or two second delay when they're about to go to a play because – they had to think about it. It seemed like it was more natural sometimes with this more simplified defense. Yeah, even though it can can show different looks, the, the consensus is it is kind of freeing people up to play naturally. So maybe maybe uh, you got to remember where to line up, but once you're lined up, you can kind of just go uh, to, to, to make it maybe a little easier to understand. Uh, and that that was kind of what you heard all spring from 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 different guys on different levels of the defense, whether it was, you know, it, whether it was Nick Jackson uh, at at linebacker, Anthony Johnson in the secondary, Chico Bennett uh, up front as an edge rusher, uh, and he, even some of the interior defensive linemen. You, you heard Jameer Carter even say that it, it frees him up to do a little bit different uh, things and and just play uh, without having a thing. And I do think that. Uh, is important for defense because with, with how fast offenses move, you, you have to be able to react uh, instead of sitting there wondering, uh, you know, snap to snap is as is, is offenses, especially those those no huddle teams that will get to the line of scrimmage quick. You can't be thinking about what's going on or figuring out where to line up because they, they'll already have snapped the football. Uh, and this, uh, this, this defense, uh, it is designed, I, 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 it, it seems like, from what players and coaches have said, uh, to, to let players just play once the ball is snapped. So I think I think that's intriguing. And you see, <laughs> I see Antonio Clary there in a practice video, and I, something he said. You know, he he just feels like he's able to fly around, which is not something you heard all that much uh, last year. At least when I got onto the beat late, uh, and they were still trying to figure things out. Uh, you know, late late October, early November. Uh, down the stretch run defensively. So I think that's encouraging. There's been the emphasis on fundamentals. And I think, you know, as Rodzinski had said a couple of times, he's trying to keep things simple. Uh, and that's that's maybe paying off. It's a simple with the fundamentals. Uh, the fundamentals have been prioritized throughout spring. And then you carry it over to the scheme. And uh, if you can keep the defense uh, simple in terms of the scheme, uh, then you can can let your players play fast and free, and and then they can execute their fundamentals like tackling and and and, and avoiding giving up the big play. So I think that is ultra critical and something you saw emphasized uh, throughout the spring. Yeah, you, we noticed the tackling was a little sounder at yeah. the spring game. Uh, tackling tackling technique, you can tell they were wrapping guys up before they're tackling. They were what well, also helps they were in the right position. A lot of the DBs were in the right position. They were running after somebody so that they, their tackling technique wasn't good. You're able to wrap around if you're not delayed. You're not trying to go to kind of correct something. Um, you know, we, like you said, it, it seemed like the secondary was, you know, did show improvement. You know, I heard that throughout the spring, but you don't, it's so much when you hear stuff from people say, oh, yes, the secondary has improved. 
it's something else when you get to see them in action and see what exactly it's the little details that work. Obviously, we're going to see if that translates in game day. But right now we're seeing the technique wise, we are seeing some improvement. And again, it's about that confidence. You know, Anthony Johnson talked about it in a podcast that they do feel a little more confident. And you saw him when he was walking in that Wahoo walk, the visor, he finally got his visor. So those are the things that these guys, um, you can tell they're making that type of direction. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have confidence, you're not going to play well. So they're able to kind of build off that. And that's something that they're hoping to build further along here in the um, between the spring and the fall, which is probably the most important part of any team developmentally is this part here where they kind of, you know, the wide receivers and the quarterbacks kind of work on their route timing and you've got the defenders working together and also go on one-on-one. So that's going to be a huge part of their development. Now, stepping a little bit away from football, just for a second, um, because I think one of the things that I liked about the spring game, I know it wasn't big numbers. You know, we talked about spring games in other schools, but it felt like this fan base was just, it's they're eager for something. They're eager for, they're, they want to, they want to hold on to Tony Ailey and this Virginia team. Um, and I think the Wahoo Walk was a great start to the spring game. It really added something. Um, do you feel that too? I feel like for me, when I read message boards, it's it's like they're just ready. They're ready for something to move forward with this UVA program. Yeah, I, I thought, I think kind of the big thing that, that has stood out to me throughout this first part of, of Tony Elliott's time at UVA is that he, he just fits what UVA does, right? It's it's the it's the academic background, his, his time as an engineer, him understanding and waiting for the job that that he thought fit him the best, uh, and and Carla Williams is outreach to to make sure they could get him uh, to to UVA and surround him with a staff that he trusts. It just kind of feels like they found the right person, and and he found the right people to fit around him. That's my opinion. I've you know, before this job, I, I'd covered James Madison. And when James Madison hired Mike Houston, I kind of felt the same way, that they had just knocked it out of the park in terms of hiring a guy that, that fit that program the best. Maybe maybe not the best coach of all time or whatever, and, and he had a lot to prove still. But for that program, that particular place, uh, I thought, you know, it was a good hire. And, and I feel like the same thing is happening at Virginia right now that – they have the right guy. He can connect with players. He has the respect on the field because of what he did at Clemson. And he fits, you know, the, the whole culture at UVA. Uh, and I know he, he spoke a lot about a lot of the responsibilities uh, he's had off the field uh, that that's been new for him, but he felt it's important. I think that's making a difference with the people who uh, are going to be asked to support the program, right? The alumni, uh, the, the different groups on campus, the other sports teams. He was throwing out the first pitch at the baseball game uh, to, to to his backup quarterback uh, on Friday night before the spring football game. Uh, and I think people are starting to see that and realize, uh, you know what, maybe maybe this guy is, you know, everything we heard. Uh, of course, you got to win games on the field. But uh, from my perspective, I've, I just think he's been a good fit and people are starting to notice it. Uh, and that's why the the lawn or the the, the grassy uh, knoll under the scoreboard was was pretty full the other day. I felt bad for the people sitting in the bleachers, baking in the sun uh, on that kind of first hot hot spring day of the year uh, on Saturday. I, I noticed some of them trickle out maybe mid second quarter, halftime of the spring game because it was probably just too hot. Uh, but there was you know the people that were there were were into it early and 
you know, supporting the supporting the Cavaliers and and their new coach. Yeah, it seems like, you know, they found a guy in Tony Elliott that really fit into what UVA needed from a head coach. Obviously, there's more challenges when it comes to this particular role. You got to figure out how you use a transport. You can't just go in there and say, I need a running back. I need a tight end. You really need to see the admissions requirements because even though they're on grounds, if they qualify for one year, they might have issues qualifying for the second year. You might have to go through the grand, the grand transfer route. So a lot of different challenges. But we're going to stop right here just for a little bit where we have some quick words from our sponsors. On the way back, we'll have our buy or sell segment where Greg and I will discuss, will this O-line be good enough for them this fall? Or is Brendan Armstrong going to be the leading ball carrier this year? And will this defense be better once it comes this fall? So all those questions will be right back in just a few seconds. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And welcome back to the Good Old Podcast. We're still talking some Virginia Spring football here with Daily Progress's Greg Medea. So, Greg, are you excited for the buy or sell segment? Of course. I, I was, I, I've been waiting for this one. You have? Well, I don't know. I, I, I sense a little bit of lack of enthusiasm in their response. I think we need to channel Coach 2J level of enthusiasm for us really to get this started. That That's a, that's a, Different level. I don't. I don't know if I can get there for that. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, let's talk about Coach Two J's men because at the end of the day, that is still the biggest question as we leave spring football and head towards fall camp in August. Can this group do enough to protect Brandon Armstrong? And can this group do enough to produce those holes so that Virginia can have that balanced offense and can produce a run game? So buy or sell, Greg. I'm buying the old line. I'm buying uh, uh, that Touje knows exactly what he's doing. I was impressed when, when he spoke to us uh, earlier this spring, is especially when he was uh, describing that, that he's trying to retool and, and fix this offensive line for the second time uh, in his time at UVA. He, he knows how to do it. He knows how to go about it. And, and I think if, if one thing's clear about uh, well, how something the old line accomplished this spring is that they they definitely found one starter. I know you need five, but they definitely found one in Jonathan Leach. Uh, I think Charlie Patterson uh, is another guy who who really emerged this spring, and the same thing with Noah Josie. So I think they probably feel really good about three offensive linemen uh, and how they progressed throughout the spring. Uh, beyond that, uh, you also have Justice Johnson who. 
was was somebody who played some center, played some guard for them, uh, and and maybe could could win a job come fall. I think you also ha- have to think and remember that there are going to be a couple of drad, grad transfers uh, who join the program by the time fall camp rolls around, and Mac Hollensteiner uh, and John Paul Flores. So I think you're, you're only going to add more depth to that group, and and I think by the time uh, you get to it, that they'll they'll feel confident in five. I don't know how much depth. Uh, they'll, they'll be happy about, but uh, you know, I think, I think when push comes to shove that that offensive line is going to be pretty good as, as UVA switches to a more balanced attack. Now, if you're watching and listening to us on YouTube, you're also seeing some video of Brendan Armstrong practicing this spring. And because of him, I'm going to buy this offensive line as well. I think they're going to need game time experience. I, I think when you look back at spring, they had some practices where they had maybe five or eight healthy linemen which obviously is detrimental to your development of like chemistry in the line. Just so you have the quarterback and wide receivers and running backs, all of them having just working on timing and, and just working together. You know, obviously this is a, a fix it. Like coach TJ said, this is fixing the entire line and trying to get new guys to play together. So they're going to need some game experience to really gel that. So I think having a guy like Brennan Armstrong on their center is certainly going to help because of his experience, because of his confidence, because he does have the ability to get that ball out quicker than, let's say, if you had a younger quarterback or a less experienced quarterback or a less talented quarterback. So I think having him on their center is certainly going to help the O-line and it eases my apprehension about the offensive line. Plus, you have such talented, skilled players. We've seen it sometimes where Brendan Armstrong just slings the ball and he's he's giving the wide receivers opportunities to make plays. Dante Avius Wicks, Keaton Thompson, Lil Davis, Malachi Fields. Those guys are going to be able to help as well. So I think having those skilled players, having Brendan Armstrong will certainly help the offensive line get a little bit more of a buffer early on in the season. And your hope is that they'll continue to develop later on in the season so that you can have a better offense and get that run game established. And I think when you look at some of those guys on the line that had done well this spring, you mentioned it, John, Jonathan Leaf has certainly been a hero among the staff. He's been mentioned, I think, every single time we've asked about a standout, his name pops up. Noah Josie has also shown some development. Uh, he's a guy that came on campus, uh, came on grounds last year and was already impressing the staff. And I think he's slowly getting there. I think once you add the guys that were, that weren't able to participate in the spring game. Like Derek Devine, he had a minor injury during spring and wasn't able to come back. And they were obviously, they didn't want to push it. They didn't want to hurt him more. And then I have him available this season, which is why he wasn't at the spring game. When he's back, Logan Taylor's back. I think they'll have more pieces to this O-line. And I think they'll have, do enough to be a more balanced complementary team with the pieces that they have. But on the other side of the trenches, I'm all in on defensive line, Greg. I am buying that this line has improved. I was really impressed with just their aggressiveness. I was just happy that I saw them going after a quarterback. The pass rush was much better. Um, and I think, you know, the development of Jameer Carter, who's a quiet guy, but has done a lot of stuff in the offseason. Their hand placement is better. Their hand movement is better. I'm buying that the defensive line is going to do enough to make opposing quarterbacks take a little pause before facing UVA. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you there. I think, 
to it. Really, I guess how it, it depends how you count those edge guys. Do you count them as less linebackers? Do you count them as, as defensive ends? I think you'll probably see them doing a little bit of both. You, you may, I've heard Chico Bennett say that, that, you know, he can rush the passer with his hand in the ground or stand up and do it. Uh, so I, I think kind of mix those guys all together, the interior guys, and then some of those edge guys. Uh, and I, I like what they have there. I, I do. I think Chico Bennett healthy, uh, my conversation with him was was really interesting about how he felt like last year was was tough because he couldn't contribute in his first season with the team uh, and, and wanted to. And then beyond that, you know, spent spent really uh, that that whole fall in, inside the training room while trying to work back. And uh, now he's someone who uh, is, is probably going to make a difference for them uh, come fall. He's got the skill. He's got the size. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, and I think working with Chris Slade and Chris Peace uh, can can really help him. And then, uh, you know, you look at the interior guys, uh, you know, Aaron Famui, you can throw in there also. Uh, he's been mentioned a few times by the coaching staff as someone who developed, uh, especially later in the spring. Uh, I think you had Ben Smiley in there as another uh, defensive lineman uh, who, who probably is going to carry what he did in the spring. Is, is He was one of the spring game captains. Uh, take that for that what, what that's worth. But uh, I think he's another one that's going to be in the mix there. I like I like what they've got there. And the depth, I think, will only improve, like I said, similar to the offensive line when they get some of these grad transfers in uh, that are coming to help uh, their defensive front. Jack Camper, uh, who, who was on campus for spring, uh, was kind of limited. Uh, the transfer from Michigan State, uh, I imagine with his playing experience, he's going to be someone that can help, help UVA uh, a lot come fall. So I, I like what they're doing up front, especially with with Downing and Slade uh, leading those guys. I think they're going to be a pretty good group, uh, especially if, if, like I was like going back to Rodzinski's defense, uh, going back to, to how many different looks they can show opposing offensive lines, and if they keep them fresh, uh, there's no reason why that group can't succeed. And kind of moving on to the offensive side of the ball here, you know, we talked about the O line. You know, one of the big storylines of last year was Brennan Armstrong being a dual threat guy. He can kill you for legs and obviously in the air. Obviously in the air, buy or sell. Will Brennan Armstrong have the same success that he had? Will he have those gaudy passing numbers this year? I think not. I think they're going to be much balanced. And I honestly want them not to have those gaudy numbers. I think I think this is going to be a more successful team if they're able to balance that out. What is your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think he'll have the yardage, but I mean, I could still see him having the touchdowns if, if that makes sense, right? Uh, and he, he'll still hit the big play occasionally, but uh, I think in terms of the yardage, some of that's going to be moved uh, to the running game. Uh, when, when I look at, at what they have at running back and their commitment to running the football as it appeared uh, this spring, uh, I think some of that some of that production just slides to the running game. So I don't think all the yards will be there, but I think you know the touchdowns could be there. And if he minimizes interception, that's a that's a really great season, you know, if he can reduce some of the interceptions he had last year. So I think, uh, you know, I think they'll be fine on offense if they get that out of Brennan Armstrong. Uh, the, just the expectations change, right, because of the offensive changes. So uh, I think that's that's probably where they're at is the touchdowns could be similar, uh, but the yards are probably going down just because some of those will be moved to, to the running game. Yeah, and actually speaking of the running game, We've mentioned this on this podcast already. Brendan Armstrong was the leading ball carrier for UVA uh, the last two seasons. And I believe Bryce Perkins was the year before that. 
the last time UVA had a 500-yard rusher was Jordan Ellis, and that was back in 2018. Buy or sell, they're going to have their first 500-yard rushing back since 2018. You go first. I think I'm going to sell that. I think it's going to be a little more equally distributed. Uh, I think they're going to run the ball a ton, but you look at the running backs they have on the roster, they all kind of give them something different, right? Uh, I thought Jones – you know, he, he kind of showed off the blazing speed a little bit and that he can get out and burn. I think Mike Hollins is more your every down type of back. Uh, and then Faustin being a younger guy, I, I don't know if you want to put a big heavy workload on him. Uh, so I think maybe it's a little more balanced across in terms of the distribution. Uh, I don't know when they're going to expect Ronnie Walker back. It sounds like maybe not quite in time for training camp, maybe right before uh, so I think when you when you look at that, uh, maybe they look outside the supplement also. Uh, you're going to see a wave of transfers. Or you're already seeing a wave of transfers uh, in the portal since spring ball is wrapped up across the country. Uh, maybe there's somebody there that can help them. I think it's going to be a little more equally distributed across. So not, not yet, not that 500-yard rusher yet, but maybe down the road. Yeah, that depth at running back is uh, definitely a concern when you think of Ronnie Walker might have an extended time out. And they do have Xavier Brown, the yep. uh, Gatorade player of the year in Kentucky. He'll be on campus in the summer, but again, he's a first-year freshman. Sometimes they can start right away. Sometimes it takes a little while for them to assimilate. I agree with you. I'm going to sell that they're going to have the first 500-yard rusher. Um, I, I think – I, I, maybe I put a little caveat if they enter the transfer portal and they uh, get someone, uh, maybe they could be a 500-yard rusher. Uh, unfortunately, Dylan McDuffie, who we talked about in the last podcast, committed to Georgia Tech. Um, so he is off UVA's board right now. They have not offered anyone as of, I've learned this really quickly, Greg, as of Tuesday, April 26, they have not offered a running back just in case. And we're recording on Monday. So if they do it between now and tomorrow, just know that we recorded this before the offer was gone. So it's happened until now, they have not offered anyone in a transfer portal as far as a running back, but like you, I, I think they will. Um, so I, I do agree with this going to be like a running back by committee, especially if their numbers aren't, if they don't have many guys, I can see Keaton Thompson with the ball as well. And obviously he's proved himself last year as a guy who was a versatile weapon for them. So I could see him, you know, get the ball a couple of times. And I don't think they're going to shy away from Brennan Armstrong being a ball carrier too. I know we didn't see that in the spring game, but why try to do that for your quarterback in the spring game? You don't want him to get hurt. Um, so I do think that you're going to see Brennan Armstrong do that as well. And, and so I, I think we're going to still see Brennan. You're going to see Mike Collins. You're going to see possibly Paris Jones, especially if Ronnie Walker is un, unfit to play. And, you know, even if he's back, if he's not back by fall camp, you also have to think of conditioning. So he might take a while, a couple of weeks after even the start of the season to get that conditioning back. And if a uh, running back conditioning is crucial. Um, so that'll be something that for us to uh, monitor down the way. Now, one of the, one of the things I wanted to bring up in this by yourself too, was do you feel like at the end of the day, we're going to have a wide receiver not named Dontavious Wicks, not named Lavelle Davis, not named Keaton Thompson as a breakout star of this Virginia offense this fall. I think somebody will be pretty good, but I don't think they're they're breaking what Wicks and Thompson can do. Uh, that's that's my thought. It seems like Malachi Fields 
Uh, he came on early in camp, uh, maybe struggle, not struggle, struggle is the wrong word. I would say kind of tapered off a little bit as, as camp went on. Uh, but then, you know, caught a touchdown in the spring game. I think he's someone who can help them, a local guy uh, that, that would be a nice addition as a, as a third receiver. They, they, they kind of need that third guy. They do have Billy Kemp, who, who will be back come fall. Uh, but I think, you know, maybe Fields will be uh, in that mix too. But it's hard to see somebody surpassing what Thompson and Wicks can do, especially when Brennan Armstrong's, you know, kind of go-to guys and trusted receivers are, are those two. No, for for sure, for sure. I the one thing I want to see though, uh, maybe this is a little cheap. I want to see a tight end probably be part of that group. You know, we keep hearing about Des Kitchings talking about how they want to use tight ends. We saw a little bit. We saw you know the tight ends did some work in the spring game with uh, Sack of Wood and Grant Mish. And you know, I always felt like Grant was someone who is undervalued whenever you talk about the UVA offense because he didn't. Obviously, you had Jelani Woods, and you saw how many passes he caught, and just, you know, obviously his athletic ability is going to be going in the NFL draft this week. But he just did so many things to this offense that you don't see in the stat sheet. You know, when you look at, you know, the if you do Monday, Monday, Monday quarterbacking, you see him do those critical blocks that allowed, you know, Brendan Armstrong to get those extra yardage uh, on the run or to give him a little bit of extra time so he can make those passes to those wide receivers you mentioned. I'm curious to see, I'm not, not buying that Grant Mish or Sackett Wood's going to be, uh, or Rawlings are going to be that pass catcher for them. I think actually they're still, their roles are probably still going to be almost the same, especially Grant's, but I could see them getting a tight end in a transfer portal um, to be someone they tried, that. Right. They tried it, this past they, uh, winter. They did with, with Steven Stilianos. Um, and uh, unfortunately he decided not to come to UVA, but I'm, I'm, I would be shocked if they don't get for another tight end or try to in the transfer portal. They do need numbers. I think if you look at a tight end and running back are the two positions that I would almost, I'm not even thinking about the trenches here because everyone's going to say, but Jackie, the old line deal. No, I'm talking about skill set. I think tight end and running back are going to be the two positions that they're going to go after. Um, But I do feel like I, I, like I understand like Dante V. Wicks and Lavelle Davis are going to be your two guys. Keaton Thompson are going to be, you guys are wide receiver, but I think as a, I think there's going to be someone else to step up, you know, to get those. They need someone in the end zone, that surety, that that big guy. Um, that that's what's been successful in college football. You saw that with Jelani Woods to be well, what you would imagine in the end zone as your biggest target. Um, and then you know, obviously Kyle Pitts in Florida a few years ago. So that that's something that you want that mismatch nightmare. So that's something that they'll probably be looking at into the transfer portal. Um, moving last thing on buy or sell, how many transfers do you think will, will they go after? Will they try to add to this team? I'm going with at least four guys. They need one O-lineman at least. Um, I'll think even two O-linemen. I think they're going to need a running back and they need a tight end and maybe one D-lineman. So probably around five. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think probably five is, is the safe bet. Uh, you have to you have to fill those scholarships anyway. You have the scholarships to fill. I'm sure you could give them to some walk-ons on the team, but if you have the scholarships, which I think earlier this spring Tony Elliott said they had as many as eight scholarships available. Um, yeah. At, at one point, uh, you know, you probably want to fill those, and and you still haven't seen if there's going to be some exits. Uh, you know that 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 you, you should know. Uh, you know, probably by the end of the week, right? By May 1st, if, if UVA is going to lose anybody that, that didn't buy into what Tony Elliott and his staff 
are doing. Uh, so uh, I think you're definitely going to see uh, UVA hit the portal. And like like I mentioned, to, you mentioned the running back spot for sure. I think tight end is, is certainly a position that you could use some experience. Uh, you have some younger guys that I think will play and help the team down the road, but you, you, you might want a, an experienced guy to play alongside Mish at tight end. Uh, I think that could really, really help them. And uh, you can never rule out, I think, a, a, a defensive back if one comes along. Uh, I know they need, you probably want num- more numbers on the O-line, but I think you, you can't have enough people in the secondary. You, you got to have people that can cover. Uh, so that would be another position, I think, uh, that, that they could use. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us and breaking down the spring game and what we saw from the spring guys this year. All right, Jackie. Thanks for having me on. And although spring football is done, we're not done over at Wahoo's 24-7 or here at the Good Old Podcast. We'll continue to have new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you follow us on wherever you listen to your podcast. And please rate and review our podcasts on Apple. So for Greg Medea, I'm Jackie Franchuli, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount+. Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.